All right. Today's poem is Dreams. And when I say dreams, I'm not referring to that uh, guy on Survivor who promised, uh, no, promised, uh, anyhow, he promised the the uh, other guy that he would uh, not vote him out if he gave him his car. So the guy gave him his car. And that's not what this is about, though. This is about the poem Dreams by Langston Hughes. And by the way, if you don't agree with my poetry now, let's start your own website and write your own or start your own podcast. I'd love, I'd love to hear your analysis of dreams. Hey, this is Trent Lorcher, and welcome to the Teaching ELA podcast, where I help ELA teachers thrive in and out of the classroom. In this podcast, I discuss real teaching for real classrooms, whether it's a specific piece of literature, teaching strategy, or life strategy. I talk about things ELA teachers need. I promise that with each podcast episode, you'll have something you can use today. All right, I want to talk to you real quick before we get started on this. Imagine what it would be like to have literally dozens. Well, you don't need to imagine because over at ELACommonCoreLessonPlans.com, you can find that. I put a link in the show notes. These units are teacher-ready, student-ready. Just print, make copy, wait for the statue to be built of you. It's going to be awesome. Link in the show notes. Let's talk about how to do it. We, we went over this in day one. Oh, I see my son walking in. I better pause this. Better pause it. Before we get to our analysis of dreams, let's review the steps for doing a poetry analysis. Print out the poem. That's the first step. Now, you might not need to print it out anymore. Just uh, put it on a smart board. It's on the internet. Dreams. Most poems, including this one, can be found online. If you have a book you're allowed to write in, then write in it. Or you could just have this poem short enough. You could just have students copy it onto a slice of paper. Either way, each student must have a copy of the poem that they can write on. Otherwise, there will be no annotation. Annotate the poem using the following steps. Identify the rhyme scheme. Identify the meter and any examples of strain from the meter. If the poem is difficult, summarize each stanza. Circle important words, ambiguous words, and words you need to look up. Circle examples of figurative language. Write questions. Write down insights. Basically, you're taking notes on the poem. Step three, draw conclusions based on the information you gathered while annotating. Step four, write the poem analysis. The topic sentence should state the poem's theme, one that may not be so obvious. You know, when I, when, usually when I have a, you do a quick poetry analysis assignment, I'm just talking about a paragraph. The topic sentence, the examples, facts, citations that your students are analyzing should support the topic sentence. Provide analysis explaining how the facts support the topic. And then, of course, number five, your students will impress their friends and neighbors. Okay, let's start with an analysis of dreams by Langston. Hold fast to dream. For if dreams die, life is a broken-winged bird that cannot fly. Hold fast to dreams. For when dreams go, life is a barren field frozen with snow. Now, I happen to have the poem in front of me. It's annotated. I don't believe the show notes that this will show up on the show notes, but I have it annotated right in front of me. I have the rhyme scheme. I have things like personification, metaphor, uh, highlighted. So the rhyme scheme is X-A-X-A-X-A-X-A. That is, the odd-numbered lines don't rhyme at all, and the even-numbered lines all share, uh, excuse me, the even-numbered lines in each stanza rhyme. They don't all rhyme together. The rhymes connect lines two and four of each stanza, ironically rhymes that contrast. They're being brought together, but they're contrasting. Die and fly, for example, go and snow. Rhymes that could have coincided if dreams were held fast, as the poet exhorts. The rhyme is broken up by unrhymed lines. Form reflects content. The broken rhymes may represent the broken lies of a dreamless life. There is no set meter or set form. The poem shapes itself like a dream. Again, form reflects content. Form reflects content. 
Fun reflex content. The word fast in the first line of each stanza puts emphasis on the need to fasten oneself to his or her dreams. Should not be a casual relationship. Observation four, the repetition of the first line of each stanza emphasizes this need even more. Five, the structure of each stanza is the same. Each begins with the same exhortation, followed by stark images of what happens if that exhortation is ignored. So we're given a uh, advice and then we're shown the opposite of that advice. What happens when that advice is not followed? I guess you'd call that a negative example. The word dreams is personified. The life of dreams stands in contrast to the death images. Number seven, it's the figurative language that gives the poem power. The personification and imagery has been alluded to already. Each stanza contains a metaphor. The first stanza compares a life without dreams to a broken winged bird. A broken winged bird's life has no purpose, much in the same way a life without dreams has no The second stanza compares a life without dreams to a barren field frozen with snow. A field is created for the purpose of providing life. A barren field does not fulfill its purpose because it can't grow anything. A life is created to give and provide life to others. A life without dreams does nothing. This is my interpretation. Eight other examples of poetic devices include hyperbole, in so much that a broken-winged bird that cannot fly is redundant. Obviously, it can't fly. It's not an accident. I think Langston Hughes knew what he was doing. Just guessing. Just guessing. And the last, uh, the last line of the yeah, that last line is unnecessary. In addition, if a field is frozen with snow, it uh, is it is obviously barren. If I were writing a poetry analysis, I would begin with the poem's theme. In dreams, Langston Hughes uses figurative language to stress the importance of having dreams. Or another example. In dreams, Langston Hughes uses metaphors to show how miserable a life without dreams becomes. Or, another example, in dreams, Langston Hughes uses personification and imagery to contrast a life with dreams and a life without dreams. And I'm pretty sure, pretty sure that I have enough evidence to support those topic sentences. I could write an entire essay on this. Love this poem. Love it! Let's talk about dreams. Let's talk about dreams. We already did.